0: Good afternoon,
1: ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, joined today by Mr. Terence Corrigan. The stories we're going to go through today are the state of our municipalities and how they are affecting many aspects of people's lives, uh, the South African case to the International Criminal Court of Justice at the UN, and the upcoming registration weekend. So let's start with that first story, and I'm just going to quickly blend together three stories here about the state of our local government. Um, The first is a story about how awful the conditions around the Tswane and Johannesburg High Courts are. Uh, Many advocates and attorneys are very upset about this. They say they have to walk through the stench of human waste and urine towards the High Courts in Gauteng each morning, that there's limited parking. That uh, there's so much theft and crime that people that the lawyers are afraid to actually just walk from their cars to the courts. Uh, one lawyer described having to put razor blades around the badge of her car because it keeps getting stolen. Um, so obviously, the, this is not <laughs> a great look for the high courts, which are supposed to be these sort of buildings of justice within the heart of cities. But uh, at the same time, we've got the Durban's Mangosuthu University of Technology postponing its registration because of water shortages in the city. Um, The spokesperson for the university said that uh, not having water on site posed a health and safety risk to staff and students during registration, and so they postponed it at least for a few days and are trying to sort of get more students to register online. And then at the same time, ESCOM has decided to increase its pilot project, uh, so-called load limiting, um, they've been trying this in various parts of the country. Uh, they've been trying it in four ways, in Johannesburg, is one of the pilot areas. And the idea is that um, uh, rather than switching you off completely during load shedding, they will just massively reduce the power to you, your house. If you do not switch off your power um, in, in, uh, to an appropriate level, if you don't turn off enough appliances, then they switch you off for half an hour and turn you back on. And they keep doing that until you lower your power usage uh which i've heard definitely there have been some problems from some people living in that part of project i have a friend who lives there who says that it's not been 100 percent smooth sailing so terence i think what we're really seeing here is the very uh solid practical ways that people's life experiences they're sort of just trying to get on with the business of their lives is being impacted by failures in local government what's your take on this
0: yeah, our local government, I think, is uh, it, it occupies a funny, um, a funny place now in, um, in our politics and our governance. Um, on the one hand, it's uh, the area that we interact with most that that regulates your quality of life. Um, the ANC actually was was uh, very enthusiastic about um, about its potential. In fact, they, it was pointed out in the 1990s that South Africa's constitution is one of a minority that actually recognises local. Local government as a as a distinct part of government. Most uh, a lot of other countries simply have it have it devolved as a matter of practice. Um, but it's also, I think, been seen as the um, as as the 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 second string. You know, uh, aspirant politicians you know start as councillors and want to end as MPs or cabinet ministers. Um, so it's seen largely, I think, as a um, uh, as a stepping stone. But I think more, you know, more to the point, and what we're seeing sort of in the courts, is that there um, was there was a there was a penchant in South Africa for expanding infrastructure, for building new stuff because that was flashy and it was uh, was something that you could have a big ceremony about, and the sort of abject lack of uh, lack of maintenance. Um, so you know some some fairly impressive things happened if you think about the greening of Soweto that was you know really quite 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 impressive, but the inner city just never attracted that sort of um uh that sort of attention and uh Water and, and sanitation services designed for a city half half the size and a quarter of the population weren't weren't, um, weren't updated. I mean, one of the reasons why you have these you know this traffic gridlock in the in, in in central Joburg is that the streets just weren't designed to take that um, that amount of traffic. You know, they were laid out in the twenties and thirties, um, you know, not for not not for the volume of cars we have, um, and. Um, you know i think I, I think also there's been a uh, just the general decay of um of of law and order and there you know various various contributors to this um uh, Jobu property company for instance doesn't even know what it really what it owns or what it's uh, what what it's responsible for um you have desperate people looking for, looking for places to stay. So you have a, you have a massive squatting problem. And, you know, there is, an, uh, there, there is some truth in what, uh, in what former Mashaba said about, uh, about not being able to, to, to to evict people um, on top of which of course, is the, 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 the phenomenon of uh, abandoned buildings. You have this large capital asset, but for which no one is taking responsibility and no one wants responsibility. Um, and, and Of course, uh, we've seen some terrible fires in those kinds of buildings, right? Yeah. but you know, I I, I understand that this can get to a point where you know, if if, if those elevator shafts are used as essentially garbage tips, you know, the the, the the kind of bacteria and health hazards that that produces, but also apparently it can even start to literally rot the 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 um, uh, the the structures, literally corrode them away. Um, so no, you know. And of course, what, you know, once that sort of sets in, then anybody with a with an opportunity is going to um, uh, is going to bolt, and the process just just gathers a life of its own. You know, I I, wo- I worked in Bromfontein for a number of years. Now Bromfontein is obviously not not in a city, but um, you know, it, would, it wasn't a bad place to be. Um, you know, it was uh, a bit bit dodgy sometimes, but there were times when I uh, would go in and work on a uh, work on a Saturday and Sunday, and I didn't feel particularly threatened and with nice takeout takeout joints you could go and go, go and get a bite at yeah i'm not sure we do that now. yeah no exactly the uh, this is a point i've been making recently i think
1: this is true of many municipalities but particularly the Karting metros the deterioration the last couple of years has been particularly bad um and mm-hmm. that's not just a south africa trend it, it does seem that uh that, that the impact of, of COVID was such that many cities actually saw deterioration in their sort of uh, quality of life um, over the past couple of years. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next story. And Terence, you've recently written an article which appeared, I believe in the Daily Maverick about South Africa's case at the International Criminal Court of Justice. You were talking a little bit about how the ANC
0: sort of views the world and, and where this case came from. Can you tell us a little bit about what you said? Look, I think that the one thing that was uh, that was missing from a lot of the commentary, uh, there, were, there were passionate voices in favour and passionate voices against. Um, but I did find that particularly those supporting it tended to follow the... Um, uh, take the government at its word that this was a matter of morality. And, uh, you know, you had people like uh, uh, Quanita Hunter saying this is, you know, South Africa's principled approach. You had Ferial Afegi talking about the diplomacy of Ubuntu. And uh, what, what really struck me was a... Cartoon in the in the in the Daily Maverick by um, by the cartoonist Nati. So yes, we have load shedding, we have uh, unemployment, we have all this. But before all else, we have Ubuntu. And I thought to myself, well, uh, this well, yeah, this was this this was interesting because the, um, the Department of International Relations and Cooperation actually uh, describes South Africa's foreign policy as the diplomacy of Ubuntu. So you know, uh, now you know when people. Uh, when, when people sort of um, uh, describe their their motivations in such altruistic and normative terms, and particularly if if, if, there's, if there's politics involved, I do think I you know I smell like many of those rats that are crawling around in those abandoned buildings. Um, and no, my look, my my argument was, and I see no uh, see nothing in the thirty years that I've been looking at this to, to ch- change my mind is that fundamentally South Africa uh runs an ideological foreign policy which is based on a certain geopolitical view of the world uh it's often, it's been noted many times that you know we don't seem to do economic diplomacy and that's true but and I would say that a lot of that comes from uh, uh from this uh, uh from from the orientation of seeing things in a very ideological way so uh, you know, stumping for trade deals or whatever just doesn't seem to be something that uh, uh that our um our, our foreign affairs bureaucracy is particularly interested in, let alone skilled at. I think you know also there's been a general decline in the you know in the quality. I mean, what's what's happening in our inner cities is actually related to what's happening in our embassies. Um so, uh but uh yeah, you know, is is this is this a matter of uh, a matter of human rights? Well, to to an extent to um to the extent that that south africa is passionately and in a principled way committed to the palestinian cause um this is not but this is not about human rights in general um i don't think it, I, I the 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 south african state does not act in a way in fact go back to the to 1998 and then Deputy Foreign Minister Aziz Bahad was asked about why South Africa doesn't say anything about China's human rights record. And he said, well, I think we can all agree that there are specificities in each country and there's not universal forms of human rights. So even that sort of rhetorical stuff has been dialed back. Um, so, yeah, you know, South Africa was the first country in the world to, to uh, give constitutional protection to, 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 to homosexuals. When uh an issue when, when that came up in um in the UN to uh pass a resolution on uh decriminalizing, which you think would be you know fairly no-brainer, uh no, South Africa refused to refuse to support that. The um diplomat uh, uh the, the, the ambassador at the time, to Basani Kamalo, said, Yeah, this is how we do things in South Africa, but we're not we're not here to criticize other people. So, you know, um the uh, uh the homosexual sort of dangling off cranes in, 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 in Tehran, that Presumably, as an expression of the wonderful multipolar nature of our world, um, but you know, you know. Um, so my my point is my point is not this is about hypocrisy because I think every country in their foreign affairs is rank with it. Um, you know, the uh, uh, the Swedes were very big on um, uh, on, uh, on feminist foreign policies and on. Uh, you know, uh, international law and whatever. And also a major, w- major weapons exporter. In fact, uh, we had some experience with them back in the 1990s. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to criticize the ANC for that. But I do think it's important for us to, to, to understand that this has a distinct set of drivers, which are not about, you know, how much we, um, how much you value humanity. We, you know, I, I also don't think this is about yeah. saying... You know the government doesn't really care about the Palestinians. I think they do, and I think it's easier for them to care about the Palestinians than to care about those people in inner in city Jo'burg because the Palestinians represent a cause to which they're committed. Those people in inner city Jo'burg are an indictment on, you know, a governance that they are they've shown limited competence in and very little interest in. All right,
1: I think you've hit the nail exactly on the head
0: there. That the ANC.
1: Fundamentally, does not view all human rights as equal. View all human beings really as having the same sort of rights. Um, I think uh, I think that's evidently clear from there, the way
0: they pursue or, their foreign policy. Or to the extent that they do, it does not influence our our uh, um, uh, foreign policy. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. you know, you know, maybe every other country in the world does that, but let's not pretend that this is how South Africa is doing. <laughs> yes, that's, <laughs> the Ubuntu, that's, this that's is not. Um, uh, that's my point. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I didn't think it was it, it was smart for, for people of the uh, reputation and uh, intellect and talent of Ferial Hufford, you're a Quinita Hunter to say these sort of things. Right. Uh, okay, let's finish with our last thing, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a bit
1: tomorrow as well, but this is registration weekend where you can go register to vote or change your registration to make sure that you can vote in the upcoming elections. After the election date is declared, there can be no more uh, registrations, so this is very likely going to be the last registration weekend, and then we'll probably have the election date announced, uh, I I suspect, in the week after this registration weekend, Um, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, And the general sort of guess at the moment is that the election will be somewhere in May, um, but it remains to be seen. Uh, The Electoral Commission says that it has everything ready to go. It's got 69,000 staff mem- members ready to assist people across the country. Hundreds of voting stations have been set up and the lease is signed. Um, about 27 million people are currently on the register registered to vote uh, on the database. Um, and I think the last registration weekend was was fairly successful. At least a million people went to either register or check their registration.
0: Uh, Terence, anything to add before we close up for today? Um, I think this election stands to be one of the most consequential that 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 South Africa has gone through. Um, I think that South Africa is at a particular crisis point. I'm, um, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going to suggest that this is the sort of last chance or whatever. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I'm, you know, I'm an analyst, not a prophet. But you know, I would say that there is an extraordinary privilege, not just in South Africa but in the entire sweep of human history, to be able to 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 have. A say in the in the in in, in the choice of your government. Um, as recently as the nineteen eighties, I think only about thirty or forty countries in the world could realistically expect to change their governments through through an election. And as I remember, I remember someone remarking in about nine about nineteen ninety one. Uh, you know, people in Eastern Europe are willing to die for the right to vote. You can have it by simply registering. <laughs> uh, and I will
1: once again say that. I personally actually kind of love voting. I just think that it's this wonderful civic experience. So um, do go out and register. I would recommend that. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you found this interesting. That's a wrap.